The following program has been pre-recorded. This week on Belonging, we talked to Father Hammond, the pastor at St. Patrick's Church, to talk about the topic of falling away from the faith. For anyone, but especially a young person who is entering into, you know, his independence, it's very hard not to sort of drink the Kool-Aid of the world. What I see so often when young people return to the practice of the faith is they've given that a try and found that it actually left them feeling empty and they want to do something that matters. This week on Belonging, next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stasekel, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com or try Theology on Tap, where you can gather with other people in their 20s and 30s like you who want to learn more about their faith while enjoying a beverage together. Join Theology on Tap Nashville on Facebook for events and times. My name is Zach Jansen. Welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio, the show for young Catholic adults. Each week we're joined by Father Gervon, the chaplain at University Catholic here in Nashville, Tennessee. And this week we're joined by Father Hammond, the pastor at St. Patrick's Church here in Nashville. And does a lot with the diocese. Uh, but we're here to talk about, with all ages of the faith, but especially young adults, I think would be very appropriate, the topic of falling away uh, from Catholicism and the faith. Maybe the faith that they grew up with, they were born into. The years where it maybe tapers off, and more importantly, too, what brings people back to the faith, but just that topic of, of falling away. Uh, so, Father, thank you for being on the show today. No, it's very good to be with you. Uh, if, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're at now as a, as a pastor in, in, in your life. Certainly. Um, well, I'm the pastor of St. Patrick Church on 2nd Avenue, just south of downtown uh, here in Nashville. It's a beautiful old church built in 1890 uh, and is in the middle of a very vibrant, growing part of the city at this point. We have a wonderful community and a beautiful church. So, I know Father Javon spends so much time working with the youth, especially in college at, over at Belmont and Vanderbilt. Uh, seeing this, the, the passionate students with the awakening retreats, so many people were just on fire with their faith. Uh, how is it at, at your parish, Father? Do you see the, a young adult community thriving and, and showing up and participating uh, in the church? I do, actually. And I think some of it is a function of just where my parish is located geographically. But I get a you know, pretty significant number of young adults, very young, recently married uh, couples with very young children or engaged couples, dating couples, um, uh, you know, singles, people coming. And actually where I sort of encounter the most is um, not only for my weekend masses, but then I have a 7 a.m. mass at the parish most mornings uh, with confessions beforehand. And I get a very good steady stream of confessions most days, even that early at 6 a.m. And a lot of them, it's hard to tell from behind the screen, but they seem to me to be young adults uh, who are really trying to live their faith vibrantly. So so that takes the next step to be very intentional to before work, most of them, right? To be there at 6 a.m. Yeah, right. and, and that's funny because if you see most of the, of the parishes' schedules, 
if you work, you can't go to bed. You can't go to mass. Right. You know, because it's like 8.30, 8 o'clock. It's like, uh, I'm working. Well, and that was actually the motivation for me of uh, scheduling my morning mass at that time is, uh, you know, I also work uh, at the diocese in, in several capacities. And I've got to be here at the beginning of the workday. So um, 7 a.m. was the right time for me. And it's turned out to be the right time for a lot of other people as well, both for both for mass and confessions. And Father, as you often see on your social media, just the fact of uh, the mass should be the excuse for everything else, not vice versa, which is a beautiful way to say it. So as people are finishing college, here I am at 24, I think a, a very relevant thing happening is people are getting more of their freedom. They're moving away from their parents, leaving school, starting their job. You see, you see one half of them that are just like that. They're, they want to be there at 6 a.m. and 7 in the morning and, and push themselves and not go complacent in their faith. But then there's the other half. I think I, I just see it in my daily life as, as a young man of where well, they just people slowly begin to fade off. If, whether it's the beliefs they don't agree with or just the community or the pastor. What are your thoughts on maybe one or two reasons as, at the top of why people may begin to taper off? I think slow. it's it's very hard for for anyone, but especially a young person who is entering into you know his independence, figuring out who he is. It's very hard not to sort of drink the Kool Aid of the world, uh, what the world has to offer, which is things like comfort, pleasure, success, fame, these sorts of things, which not all of which are bad in themselves, but are not the things that actually provide true meaning and fulfillment in life. And it's mm. so easy to sort of fall for those easy, quick, instant gratifications that the world has to offer. And what I see so often when young people return to the practice of the faith is they've given that a try and found that it actually left them feeling empty and they want to do something that matters. They want to engage in a life, a lifestyle, make choices about what they care about, that seem significant and that really matter. It reminds me of Father. What you said last week is that if you if you want to people want to be entertained or have fun when they go to mass, and you said if you want to have fun or something, go go get some ice cream, go do something with with other people. That you're not going to to mass to be entertained in a way. Um, Absolutely, yeah. and I can't compete with the. Uh, other options that people have for entertainment. Broadway uh, is open back again. Broadway's <laughs> open. You know, the, uh, the draft's about to happen. I mean, there's there's so much to entertain people. That's not what we provide. Uh, we provide an opportunity to worship God, to receive the sacraments, to um, to do those kind of foundational things that can support a person's life. You know, in this really profound way. So we could probably have a whole show discussing this next idea here that's in my head, but um, I think it's very relevant for people in their 20s. Is, but just the topic of, of briefly of homosexuality, people saying that the church either dislikes or doesn't agree with, obviously, I guess, same-sex marriage, but even the thought of same-sex attraction, um, that they think they might be unwelcome there. Or, but that's, it's, it's the total opposite is, is what the sad part is, is, is who am I to judge is the real teaching. of Javon, do you have any brief thoughts? I know it's a tough topic. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think it was Fulton Sheen that said that people don't like, don't hate the church. They hate what they think the church is, you know, and, and I think a big grace for us is the church have the doctrine, have the, the had the, everything really well established on, you know, sexuality. And, and if you really understand and if you read through and you understand what it is, the church loves everybody and the church wants everybody to be part of. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there are morals and there are things that we have to 
live our lives. And it's not only the church reserves sex for 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 a wedding for for marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that mean? Well, the sex has, sex has two main reasons: the unity of the couple, not of the boyfriend and the girlfriend, the couple, and procreation. So we can't have one or the other one. And then, like what we see every time happening in our society, is, oh, you can do whatever you want. Not really. I mean, if you do, have consequences for that. But yeah, I think um, Father Javon, one of the things that you're kind of getting at why this conversation about homosexuality um, and the church's teaching and the way that the church loves all people through her through her teachings and doctrine. One of the reasons this is such a hard conversation to have is usually when we try to have it, we don't actually wind up having a conversation uh, based on actual principles and uh, kind of we wind up talking past each other. The church has always distinguished between three things. They're not the same. Marriage, sexuality, and love. Each of those is, they're often related, but they're three different things, each of which has its own meaning and integrity and context. And sometimes we talk past each other because we think where one of those exists, the other two have to exist. Mm -hmm. But we know that's not true. Um, There are plenty of people I love that I don't wish to marry. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) And, you know, and you could, any any two or three of those things, of those concepts of love, sexuality, and marriage, we have to define our terms first. And if we kind of know what we're actually talking about, that's when we can start to have this conversation. That, by the way, is I think one of the things that young people thirst for is coherent, well-reasoned arguments. And the church certainly has those. We have such a rich, beautiful tradition of philosophy and theology. We've thought through these things. Um, now, obviously, there are many contemporary issues that are just developing that it takes a while for us to figure out, as it were, in light of the gospel and revelation. But we have such a wonderful, rich intellectual heritage. Uh, we're not making stuff up as we go along. And I think that's something that appeals to to young people in particular who have a real kind of intellectual integrity they want to have. Uh, in their life, yeah, and that's the thing that you know you can you can find God either through reason or through faith or both, you know. And if you're like, oh, this is this is true, this is beauty, this is goodness, and then we can find God there. And I think that a lot of times people don't go deeper on the what does it mean. To me, one of the most radical proposals of our faith is that we believe this stuff is actually real. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. not just a bunch of opinions or positions or values even. The resurrection as a central uh, mystery of our faith, as St. Paul said, if if Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is in vain. That actually happened. And if that didn't actually happen, then what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, so we make these t- what are to me very appealing claims but are sort of dangerous almost these claims that we make it's why the faith has often been so persecuted is that we're claiming these things are actually real reflection of the way things really are things that really happen and really matter and then we go to the other side is all about me how i feel how Mm. i and then it's like no i'm sorry but you know mass is not how about you feel (laughs) you know sometimes like no the universe does not Revolve around you. I'm sorry to tell you this. Big news, but that's not how it works. And you get into so many resources of why we, maybe they're searching why we believe what we believe. Why am I even going to Mass on Sunday? Why do I have to Mm -hmm. receive the Eucharist or or sit in a chapel and and look at it? 
Uh, but there's so many great re- with the church fathers, the catechism, even local things like three minute theology of saying, why am I doing what I'm doing? And then as people start to, to question too, I always wonder myself, where is it that they're that they're going once they do leave? Are they, are they trying to find more of the church of what's happening now, the not denominational or the so many Baptists? I wonder if some people just drop it off altogether and think, I've lost my faith. If if all this stuff happened, there wouldn't be a God if all this stuff happened to me in my life, all my trials and my tribulations. Um, do, you, do you think they're going to other churches or just dropping it off altogether? What are your all thoughts? I think they are trying to find themselves. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. What, what I see more than anything, I think, um, are young people who's who have an identity as Catholics. They would identify themselves that way. They say, will often say something like, I was raised Catholic, I went to Catholic school, these kinds of things, um, but may not understand why the regular practice of our faith is such a beautiful gift. Um, and, you know, we often hear that phrase, I just don't get anything out of, fill in wow. the blank, yeah. mass, confession, whatever it might be. And that's a real opportunity to kind of pivot the conversation, I think, and say, well, you know, the point here is there is a God and you should worship him. You know, you go to mass because if there actually is a God, back to my point about yeah. this being real, mm-hmm. if there really is a God, then we really ought to worship him. And this is the way that we attend to that most fundamental relationship in our life on a regular basis. And that gets everything else in our life in order. If we're kind of properly attending to our most significant foundational relationship, which is our relationship with God. That's how we lay that framework for everything else in our life to make sense too. Yeah, and if you ask the, the person, like, I don't get anything out of mass or whatever, if you ask, what do you expect? And the person probably is going to say, I don't know. That's wow. a great follow-up question. What do you expect, expect to get out of mass? Do I don't to- know, but I don't get anything. So what do you expect? Right, and then what are you bringing to mass too? Is that a, is that a question that people should ask? Like they're bringing their, their brokenness. There's like I'm offering up my my sinfulness when I'm receiving. I, I think so meaning. too. But if you understand that mass is about worshiping God, and if you understand that you know, and, and I think for being Catholic is pretty good because the homily can suck. The you know the music can be really bad. All because it, bottom line, you go there to receive Jesus. So if any the, the homily was bad, whatever, whatever it is, and all the, and those things are not necessarily bad. They, I mean, it'd be good if we have a good homily. <laughs> it's better to have a good homily than a bad homily, certainly. Well, yes, <laughs> we will be, it would be good to have beautiful music. You know, the church be clean. That's good, but that's not really why you're there. Yes, and what you just described was a very important concept for me personally. I'm a convert to the faith. I became Catholic in college. And I had had a wonderful, very faith-filled upbringing, um, you know, in a, in a Protestant context, and was the recipient of many, many graces, you know, through my family and through the Protestant communities that we participated in. Um, to me, eventually, I realized that my experience of the faith um, needed to transcend whether the homily was good or not, or the music was good or not, or the church was beautiful or not. And what the Catholic Church can provide uniquely is the grace of the sacraments. You know that if nothing else, if none of those other things are present, and they should be, as you said, Father, because worshiping God in a worthy way is extremely important. So there should be a good, well-prepared homily. The church should be beautiful. The music should be 
reverent. I mean, all of these things are very important, but even if those things are absent, I'm still receiving, receiving the grace I need to live my life. And that's the key piece. And that's beautiful. The story of the sacraments. And that was kind of what you, I'm curious to hear your story as well. Cause that was my next thought is what is it that's bringing people back either from a, an initial conversion or just uh, turning back around and saying, I, I know I want to come back to my faith. I know all the resources, but if you could briefly, what was it for you, father, that by your conversion? Really, it was the attraction of the sacraments, mm-hmm. the reality of God's presence in the sacraments, in particular the Mass. Mm-hmm. Although once I became Catholic, I certainly found confession, that particular sacrament, also to be a great transformational thing in my life. Uh, to me, I think what people really want is to do things that matter, that really are actually significant and have meaning and purpose beyond themselves. That's a deep instinct embedded into humanity. And you can only kind of skate through life for so long until you want to, you know, root yourself. It's why people choose to do these kind of beautiful things like get married and start a family, because that matters. Why people want to have a job that fulfills them, because that matters. And eventually why people want to be grounded in transcendent realities. Um, to kind of contextualize life, to um, place what we do in a cosmic context. It, it was funny this morning. I was reading uh, Henry Nowing, uh, the wound healer. The wounded healer. Yeah, and he was talking about how many yoga studios and how many of those, all that kind of stuff, are open because people are seeking. They are thirsty, they are hungry, but they don't know where to find. So they kind of start to look all those absolutely different places to like try to fulfill themselves. Yes, I think a lot about um, St. Paul in his speech on the Areopagus talking about the temple to the unknown God um, and trying to kind of remind the uh, residents of Athens. It's like, you people are all searching for God, the, the true God. You are searching for Jesus Christ. And that's certainly true for anyone who is searching, you know, who is trying to find meaning, uh, trying to find things to ground them. They're really searching for Jesus Christ. And when they find him, that's the pearl of great price. So we have that innate desire as human beings, as he mentioned for yoga, some just a spiritual exercise, but we have, we have a, a longing for something deeper and we're kind of filling it with things that are only going to leave us more empty in a sense, would you say? It, or just simply can't get you all the way because many of these things are good. You know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying good entertainments. There's nothing wrong with um, various kinds of leisure and hobbies and even other kinds of, you know, exercise. And these are all good things that we should do um, as part of a balanced life. But there's no substitute for the real authentic relationship with God rooted in worship. Is that when we try to put those things instead of God? I think so. It's it's a first commandment problem. Yeah. And the irony is, is that it winds up putting too much pressure on those things, which are not designed to and can never actually make you happy. Uh, and when you expect them to, you'll wind up disappointed. God never disappoints. Uh, and so if our expectations of, you know, my favorite sporting team is that they have to make me happy, you know, when they lose, then you I might have some kind yeah. of existential crisis. Um, now, I might be irritated when, you know, the Titans lose or whatever, but um, but it doesn't send me into a tailspin uh, because... That's good. Yes. <laughs> I've gotten better. Um, be, because even though something like that might be important to me and I have kind of an emotional investment, my life is 
actually built on the solid rock of our faith, not on things that fail to satisfy. So when people decide to make that, that turn, that come back to Catholicism, it's often you hear, I think, in the stories on their own, by chance, something they found online. Because it's sort of a cliche to always say, please just come to, at least just come to Mass with me just to be there. Because you almost can't force the, the 20-somethings, the 30-somethings to come with you. Uh, but those practical resources, the, the stories that you hear, same, someone saying, I found a video online. Even the, the focus missionaries we interview, a lot of them will sneakily sit in the back of mass and maybe just take notes. Like, on who's going to be the, oh, you, yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're curious. They're wondering what's going on and how, how are people coming back to the church? And it's like, I think it goes a lot about the personal invitation. You know, somebody believed in me, somebody saw something in me and they started to invest in me, invest in my life and, hey, let's go to mass, let's go. And then get to a point that the people are like, oh, this is special. You know, this is, I mean, you go to the Blessed Sacrament and just stay there. Like Mia, mm-hmm. she, we had a, she came into the church in the uh, Easter Sunday. She just went to awakening retreat. She's like, okay, I think there's something here. And then she starts to ask questions. And then she went to adoration. Every day, I did not even know that she wasn't Catholic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she was sure. in adoration mass more than anybody else. Yeah. And it got to a point, she said, I'm ready. I was like, excuse me? She's like, ready I'm for ready. She was like, I want to become Catholic. I was like, you're not Catholic? <laughs> like, you know? I was like, okay, let's do this. Yes. And this can happen in so many ways. We have this extremely subversive belief <clears throat> as Catholic Christians that grace actually matters, that grace actually makes a difference. So I think that can look two different ways. Like your example with me is very beautiful where just the grace of being present for divine worship, for adoration, for the sacraments, just being in the presence of those things, you know, the grace is so real that it kind of took hold of her heart. And I think the same can happen sort of the other way with somebody who let's say is baptized, maybe goes through confirmation and then kind of drifts and it takes them a while to come back. We actually believe as Catholics that the grace that that person received in his baptism and in his confirmation are still, you know, working away at his heart. All the gifts that you need is there in your baptism. Right. And if, and those might be what draw a person back towards that relationship with God later. I think it's what, you know, Pope Francis talks a lot about encounter, encounter Jesus. You know, how, how are we, and I think a lot of times maybe in our church, we don't, help people to you know it's like oh i have you know sometimes the people give us an hour on sunday mm-hmm. you know and then if you go a little bit over an hour they're gonna be like come, come on, on father <laughs> yeah shawnee's line and whatever <laughs> line right. you're gonna go you brunch know is waiting. brunch is waiting come on like, <laughs> that mimosa is not gonna drink itself <laughs> i know right and then i was like if we understand that this is the most important thing that we do in our day it's mass or our week, or our year, oh, yes, or our yes, life. Yes, yes, yes. That will change perspectives. But I mean, if we go there to encounter Jesus Christ, and we know the true, and it goes back to you know the true presence. And I was, I was preaching a couple of Sundays ago. It's like the cool thing about being Catholic is even if you don't believe in the pre, the true presence, it's there. The true presence is there. Yes. So if you don't believe, I was talking today. You can go there and tell Jesus that you don't believe that he's there and let him do the job. See what happens. See what happens with (laughs) that. But yeah, the true presence is there no matter what, even if we don't believe. It's beautiful hearing what 
brings people back, but also just even as, as a practicing Catholic, what, what makes just the joy of, of each day so real? So I got a question for you. What is yeah. a practicing Catholic? Oh, that's a, Why do that's we a, have to qualify that? That's a good adjective. Does that mean someone who prays for five minutes in the morning or do they go to mass on Sunday and that's it? I mean, canonically speak, question. what is a Catholic father? Well, a Catholic is anyone who has ever been baptized or received into the Catholic church. Technically speaking, yeah, that person's a Catholic. Now, if by practicing you mean let's let's say a Catholic who regularly attends to all of his spiritual obligations, then in a sense that's some of us. In a sense, that's none of us. I regularly uh, violate my spiritual obligations by various <laughs> kinds of sin, which I will not get into on this uh, recording. Okay. <laughs> we can um, do another one about confession. That's right. But I think the the sort of point that, that Father G is trying to make here is that um, it's a journey for every one of us towards holiness. Towards lifetime, lifetime journey. Absolutely. That, and to whom much has been given, much will be required. And those of us who've had the extraordinary grace, often through absolutely no credit to our, of our own, to us of um, receiving the sacraments, of having you know wonderful experiences of the faith, of the presence of the Lord, that places a pretty serious weight on us to make use of all that wonderful grace that's been showered upon us, both yeah. for ourselves and those others in our lives. Just kind of what we hear from the Acts of the Apostles on the Easter season, you know, they are full, full of the Holy Spirit. Now they want to go and proclaim the good news to all creatures. Mm. So each one of us are called to, you know, like sometimes we say, oh, this is just for the praise, for the nun. No, it's for everybody. All baptized have that mission. All baptized in that mission like, for a lifetime, as you, as you oh, yeah. beautifully put it, divine through the sacraments and just the joy of encountering uh, Jesus. But Father Hammond, thank you for your time today, for your thoughts on the faith, what it means to, to be Catholic, to live that out. We thank you, Father, for, for being here. Well, it was a joy. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, thank you to everyone in our listening audience. If this uh, story impacted you in a certain way, if you feel that you've drifted away and, and away from your faith uh, from those times when it gets hard as a young adult, when, when you're on your own, or if you feel the need to come back to say, this is the faith that I grew up on, know that we're, we're always we're, we're here to talk, just to have these, these conversations. And thank you to Father Javon as well, and, and to all the guests we've had on the show, uh, all the young adults and the Catholics that are witnesses to the, to the beauty of this faith. Uh, remember, you can find our shows wherever you get your podcast by searching Belonging for Young Catholic Adults. And special thank you to Jim Chandler, who does a lot with recording our show. My name is Zach Jansen, thank you for listening to Belonging on WBOU. Nashville Catholic Radio.